Welcome back to the Soul Savvy's podcast. We back, y'all. Your absentee parent of podcasting is back. Your weekend parent, the podcast hosting, Q Lynn. If you're new here, we we have we I just like having a good time with my guests. And, and so we I feel like this guest that I'm getting ready to introduce, I'm just get right into it. I usually try to set up with a couple of jokes, but I'm just gonna get right to it because this guest right here is multi hyphenated, and I just want to get to the goods. I feel like his his uh <laughs> his his titles is about as long as the as the new te- as the old and new testament. So I'm gonna get straight to it. <laughs> He's a multi-hyphenated creator, professional, a chart-topping songwriter and producer. For listen, the, the like I said before, his credits as long as the Bible. So listen, we go from <laughs> go. It's, uh, listen, as long he just did a record last year with George Clinton for his uh, pledging or was it the the cues that yep, uh, yep. The Atomic Doll the the yeah. The, ultimate classic just redid that i mean did a rendition of that he also is listen he, he just got another chart topping hit last year with uh was it uh the the extraordinary actor and uh singer uh leslie odom jr yeah his father yeah. is uh the legendary l spencer smith listen listen his credit's long too listen we we i'll be sitting here all day <laughs> listen to all the credits but listen he's a just just to list off, he's a graduate of the NYU Music, Music Business Graduate Program. He's also uh, started his professional career in 2014, so he's got exactly 10 years in the game. Universal Music Group, mm-hmm. Sony Music Entertainment. He's, he has so many long list of credits. I've been wanting to talk to him for a long time, and I'm glad to have him on the show. Listen, we're just going to get right to it. Y'all give it up right now for Mr. Mel Smith. There we go. Yes. My producer, he gonna add in the Arsenio <laughs> Hall claps. He gonna add that. That's gonna nice. look add it right now. Yeah, you gonna hear it. There we go. You hear that applause? Thank you. The, the Thank hoots you. and hollers. There we go. Thank you. Keep it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Listen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been wanting this to happen for a long time. Yeah. But yeah. Long listen, time coming. How, right. Exactly. And I'm glad to have you on. <laughs> I start off. Every podcast episode, this segment I like to call the musical genesis. Hopefully, the Saints don't get mad at that. It's basically get to the beginning. Of, <laughs> usually, when I have musical guests on, we get to the beginning of the story. So, hopefully, you know they get sensitive sometimes. Yeah. So, I, 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 I'm on, the, I'm on the heathen They'll side of the, the Christian realm. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so, hopefully, they don't get mad. They get mad sometimes. Yeah, that'd be fine. They used to get mad on my radio. Oh, they used to get mad on my radio show when I say that. They're like, "You going to hell." For playing with God. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, it's very oh extreme. So I just oh do it to, just to get them, just get them, <laughs> you know, worked up a little bit. I'm kind of a heathen. So I like to, you know, work the saints up a little bit. But that's it. I feel you. We get, <laughs> get to your, your, the beginning of your story. I'll just ask, what was your first introduction to music? Wow. Um, so, I guess my first, one of my first introductions to music was actually captured. So, um, like you said, my father is Elvis mm-hmm. Smith, and um, his first, I believe, it was his first, his first placement was with the Family Gospel Choir. Um, he arranged and sung with Karen Clark Sheard, um, "I Won't Complain." So, the skinny black man that was singing with Karen Clark Sheard—that's my father. Um, and so that was I, I believe that's the first concert I've ever been to because um, I was like around oh, wow. one 
one years old, well, one year old. Um, and so we were at that recording, um, me and my sister, my twin sister and my mom, uh, we were at that recording. Uh, so I believe that is, that's the first memory I have with music. But as far as like what comes to mind, I grew up in the church. My dad is a, is a pastor. So um, I definitely have that <laughs> growing up in the church uh story that everybody has um or almost everybody has i don't know about mm -hmm. now but um there used to be a right. time when everybody would start in the church and so that's where you know my music mm -hmm. uh, background began um you know my uncle is an incredible producer works with jimmy jam and terry lewis but he started in that church as well uh playing for my dad mm -hmm. so i grew up you know under him and you know our church choir you know turned into like this recording artist um, for gospel music lovers out there. If y'all know a song called Surgery, um, that's that was my church mm -hmm. choir. So I would have that every single Sunday for decades, really. Um, and so that's that's where I kind of started, man. Like that's where I cut my teeth. I got really involved in singing in the choir, singing on the praise team, singing in the youth choir, singing with the men. Like that, that was my thing. I started playing drums in church. So you know, music was really um, the connection that what well, the church was the connection that I had to music. Um, and, you know, that's that's where it all started for me. And then eventually I went into like, you know, doing R&B and like being in the studio and all that type of stuff. But yeah, it started all started all in uh, in the church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, and then it kind of just rolled in. Tuscaloosa. Many people don't know where that is, which is totally fine. Um, <laughs> but they may know the football team. Right. Uh, so, right. you know, roll tide. <laughs> roll tide. Yeah, that's, that's where it started. Right. Actually. That's that old SEC football. Yeah, you got to be a heavy football fan <sighs> to know where that's at. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. For sure. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, your introduction. So, who was it? Do you remember most like so was it mostly just gospel music because you grew up in the church and you know your father's minister was yeah, that so, the church would y'all allowed to listen to secular music uh yeah so <laughs> the funny thing the funny thing about my like childhood because i know a lot of people who grew up in the church they're not allowed to listen to r&b um my yeah. father was never that way because he started off as a musician he started off as a, a recording right. artist. He started off as a songwriter. Um, he That kind of got derailed to become a pastor. Uh -huh. um, and that whole story is just, you know, that's a whole nother story. But his dreams and aspirations right. revolved around music, being in the music industry. And on top of that, mm -hmm. his dad was really into music. And honestly, my grandfather, um, my late grandfather, he is really, um, the connection I had to soul music, you know, because a, a lot of, you know, he was also a heathen. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, so he grew up, he grew up listening, like in that, he grew up in that time of like 70 soul music. And um, the funny thing, the funny thing about that is even though he grew up, you know, listening to soul music, my grandfather, because of my grandfather, my grandmother, my dad's mom was a pastor. So he had literally the mm. best of both worlds. So I think that definitely benefited me, um, even though we were, you know, raised in the church and definitely grew up on gospel music. I would say that 
most of my knowledge revolves around gospel music. Um, that's the foundation of you know everything I do musically. But um, having that education, um, and not just soul music, but all types of music. My grandfather was, he was a band director. Um, so that, that was mm -hmm. his passion. Music was his passion. And so I was really able to like, listen to everything, like listen to R&B, jazz. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, jazz. soul, pop, of course, um, growing up in the late nineties and, you know, early two thousands, pop was huge at that time. And so of course we listened to everything that our friends listened mm -hmm. to, um, you know, we'll be with our church friends, you know, listening to confessions in the summer of 2004, going on the church trip. And so like it, like that duality has right. always been there in um, my musical background. And so when you listen to things that I do specifically, you will notice that it's like, okay, there's that tension, I guess, tension there um, in the music. And I think that's actually what makes um, black music so special, just the relationship between gospel music being a foundation, we, we call it, you know, one of the core three um, um, of black music. And then we also put that with, you know, the secular aspect of, you know, music. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what makes, what makes, you know, what we do specifically special. So I always had the freedom and I honestly, I'm thankful um, that it worked out for me like that way. Cause again, I know some PKs mm -hmm. they're like, I cannot listen to nothing, but you know, <laughs> Shirley Caesar and, you know, the caravans. Yeah. I'm like, no, that wasn't my story. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And, right. And, and the thing is, I always put it in context because we were there during that time. So it's never, mm -hmm. I think for me, it was new to me when I was in my early 20s because like touring and is like most of the musicians, like when I was, uh, did art, because I started out doing R&B gigs most of the R&B, mm -hmm. uh, the musicians that did R&B, they came from church. And so some of them had different right. denominations from Kojic and all that stuff. And they were telling me, I was mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> cause, I, Cause I just thought it was normal. Cause where I was from, that's what we listened to. Like Saturday night was mm -hmm. club. We listened to, uh, for the 99, take it over for the 99, 2000 and went right back to church yeah, Sunday. Yeah. So that was nothing. Yes. I mean, like I said, we grew up either. So it wasn't like, that right, was right, right. <laughs> Me going Absolutely. to church, listening to Manny Fresh and <laughs> yes. listening to yeah. BG and all them, you know, yep. and then going to church the next morning, listening to Shirley mm -hmm. Caesar, Can't yeah. Spirituals, that was normal. So, yeah. But it, it, it's no judgment, you know. I mean, when I found out about but it wasn't like, oh man, y'all. It was just like, oh, I'm glad I didn't grow up that way. That's more of my perspective. Right. Like, I'm just glad I didn't grow yeah. up in that. Cause I, I told you guys, I was like, I've been straight. I would have been more heathenist than I have been. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been Listen. what? I would have been completely opposite. Yeah. It was. That's why I wear so much lipstick now. Cause I couldn't wear it. We could. It was just music oh, wow. wasn't really a limitation. Really? It was. Mm -hmm. We couldn't wear lipstick. We couldn't wear. Uh, Britches, that's what that, I'm country. Like that's no what pain. I say. Pain, Ooh, say britches, pain, say. my God. <laughs> right. We, okay. I'm country black. To all the listeners, I'm country black. We, we say the van. We don't say sofa. We say the van. Well, I'm from mm -hmm. Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. We say the van. Mm -hmm. Your grandmother said, okay. get up off that arm of that van and get somewhere to sit down. And that's how we was talking to you. That was the gentle parenting I wow. received. As a, as yes, a, exactly. 
<laughs> it was like get to where it sat down and quit making up all that racket right. and all that noise. Correct. Yes. <laughs> but no, it's just yeah. We, yeah, we couldn't wear we couldn't wear britches. Oh, go ahead, my bad. I didn't cut you off. Oh no, no, no. No, I'm just I'm just saying, like we had that balance. Um, and I think right. that I mean, and not just in music, like you're saying, it was in it was a cultural thing um at that time. We mm-hmm. um because I'm, I'm not sure when you were born, but I, I'm a 90s baby. And so by that time, we kind of moved out. 80s, of, like, late 80s, late 80s. Yeah. Okay, you're part of that too. Yeah, so it, it kind of kind yeah. of moved out of that more traditional aspect of things, um, but it wasn't completely, you know, liberal like we are now. And so I, I think that balance yeah. oh, <laughs> sure. definitely made us yeah. well-rounded. They, they, they couldn't even, I grew up, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Kurt Franklin, pretty much when he came out with stuff oh like they was cool with the first album. But when he came out with Stomp, he I, I said on the the one episode, I said he might as well had two guns in his hand because that's how yes. I was they yes. did not want us yes. singing at a church. <laughs> yeah, it, it got it got dicey for sure, for sure. So you know, yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight. That Kurt Franklin, yep. they was over. They was like, absolutely not. Y'all oh, not yeah. singing this. Doing praise and worship, not yeah. require our day, none of that. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But my next question, I'm gonna ask you, uh, just kind of stick with that because I feel like um I like asking childhood questions. I feel like however your your work ethic is now, I feel like it has everything to do with how you were brought up in terms of like mm-hmm. how your father, because of course your your father's legendary in the gospel realm. In terms of that teaching, in terms of like your introduction into music and playing, were you musically inclined in terms of like playing instruments or was you just in the choir singing? What, what was that uh, like in terms of your participation in church? Yeah, so um, I, I, I actually did not start off singing. So my first instrument within the church, okay. I played the drums. Um, I was more interested in that. Okay. It felt cooler. Um, and I don't even know why I'm saying cooler because mm-hmm. I was literally maybe like three. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, would, I, I would play for the, the youth choir or the children's choir at that time. And so um, I did mm-hmm. that for a minute. And at a certain point, I, get, <laughs> I don't know if it was because I got tired of it or if it was because I saw that I wasn't getting good enough at it. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, um, oh okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what led me to doing singing strictly because at a certain point I was doing both or I was trying to do both. Um, but of course, uh-huh. the children's choir needed the drummer, then I'm that person. So I wasn't able mm-hmm. to sing with them. But when I got into like my teenage years, um, I leaned like heavily mm-hmm. in singing. But I always knew how to sing. Like I knew how to sing very well. Um, before, you know, me and my sister could even talk. Well, this is what my parents say before we could even talk, we would know how to sing and know how to harmonize and like listen to the whinings and listen to like, you know, Men of Standard and all these people, we would be singing to it. Um, And so I think that just came naturally to me, even though I had rhythm. um, I think singing uh, and everything that came with it, I think it came naturally to me. And so I just started leaning more more into it and I I just enjoyed it more. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why, um, I'm sure there's some level of showmanship. Uh, the states call it like you know being in your flesh. I'm sure that has some part to do with it. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I, I just I just enjoy singing more. And at that time, we had a youth choir that was going around the city and going around the state singing. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just leaned heavily into like being, I guess, the quasi, you know, leader of <laughs> of that. And um, yeah, it just it just worked out. And then from there, I was being poached to sing with the adults uh, in the praise team and then the choir. And, you know, I mean, it was it was all, it was all good. But I, I definitely um, I started out playing the drums. I'll say that. Um, but mm-hmm. I've been ending singing and singing, you know, in the choir and all that stuff. So it was it was just more of an interest to, to just sing in the choir. You, you and then that progressed to just singing. You just learning your voice and being in the choir. How how long did you were you in the choir? Were you there from like grade school, middle school, uh, high school? Yes. Or Right. So I, I was singing, um, I was singing since I was a kid. So I started out, like I said, I started out in the children's choir. Um, I play drums sometimes, but sometimes I would sing, but Mm -hmm. I would want to play drums. And so that's where I started. But when I left the drums completely, um, I was like a preteen, um, which that whole process was weird because of course, when you're preteen, you're going through puberty. And so I used to sing really high, like my father, like I used to sing soprano high. And so that would be the showstopper. And I guess that's what made me be like, hmm, I could right. do this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but then right, right, came right, right, and right. Shot, shot my voice down to <laughs> hell. And it, so, made, it made it drop, um, right, 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 right. Oh my God, it, that, that was a hard thing. And then, you know, singing in the church, you know, you have to be able to work you know, work a song and, you know, work an audience or whatever. And so mm-hmm. um, by doing that, I just, I stretched my voice. And then, you know, I joined the youth choir, but I would be singing with the youth choir. I would be singing with the adult choir. I would be singing with the praise and worship, like at the same time. So um, mm-hmm. it was just at a certain point, like from middle school to when I graduated high school, I was just singing, like I would be singing every Sunday. <laughs> And just stretching my voice, and I mean, I like lead or just doing. I mean, so it, it you know it depends on what what you know what I'm okay. needed for. I would usually sing in the background because um, that's why I, I just felt more okay. comfortable there. Um, because of course, singing lead, there's just more involved in it, especially singing in the church. <laughs> so I, I did feel like I was quite ready for that. But when I would need to lead a song, I would do it. You know, I'll make it work. But, okay. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were you that kid? What, what kind of kid? <laughs> I know this is a silly question. I'm just asking this because I'm just curious. Uh, what kind of, were you paying attention to everything? Like, were you, because when I was uh, in choir, I was mostly like looking at all everything. Like, I was just an observant kid. So I'm watching. Cause what the wait before I even go there? What denomination do you come from? <sighs> okay, I actually no, I love this question <laughs> I feel because, like it's I, because because it is layered. So my dad he grew up Pentecostal, like hard okay. Pentecostal, South Carolina, and so we have we have that. The church that he took over mm-hmm. is the church that I grew up in. That was my okay. mother's father's church in Alabama. Okay. That's an Alabama. That was an Alabama Baptist church. 
So it was a Pentecostal preacher coming to a strictly Baptist church. So, I, and then at the same time, oh, okay. So you grew up Baptist, like, okay? No, no a mix of both. That's the thing. That, yeah, exactly. A mix of both. So we say okay. that it's like a Baptocostal slash non-denominational because <laughs> we also had that going type of church. Um, okay, I you got know, you. They didn't, quite, they didn't quite have a problem with Kirk Franklin on youth Sundays, but if you tried to do it right. like on a regular Sunday, it was like... Mm. Um, That's but, what it was. It but, was like... <laughs> They were yeah, straight yeah, old school. Yeah, yeah. They was like, nope, you better have some yeah. uh, stockings. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Because I used to wear, because my, my, I was getting taller when I was in grade school, so all my, my dresses, they like, you better put them, the pantyhose <laughs> on and some stockings. Yes. <laughs> you could, you just could. Listen, they still ask about that. You be a grown adult. They're like, you ain't got no stock. Like, ma'am, I am. Yep. Fully grown. No, I do not. Actually, but thanks for asking. Yes. No, that's why I asked that because it's like the different experiences with uh, just Mm -hmm. observing it in a church. It was like devotion. That was like most of like Mm. how they start out service and you watching the deacons. They used to, man, that that was like a whole thing by itself because as a kid, you watching that, it's it's like, man, this is taking too long. Because yes. <laughs> of the song, they start out like, uh, what is it? I love the Lord, he heard my cry. Mm-hmm. I, you mm-hmm. sing my two of them? I didn't know what they were singing. Yeah, I thought they was humming. I didn't know what they were singing. Exactly. But <laughs> the, the funny thing about Lord, that is like, he heard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But the the funny thing about that is I my first time experiencing um, devotion was when I went to college. So I, I when I went to college, I went to E. Dewey Smith's church, okay. and he um, he has like a, a Baptist church, and so I just didn't grow up. I didn't grow up singing that or seeing that because by the time you know I came with my dad, and so he brought all of that Pentecostal stuff it was just different it, it was oh okay different. that's why i'm saying it's mixed up got you okay right when i when i tell people what kind of church i grew up in they're they're always kind of confused because it really was just a blend of so many so many different worlds and then at the time of the black church especially like in the late 90s the early 2000s and even going to like mid 2000s the culture of the church just changed drastically and we talk you know we talk a lot about kurt franklin and the impact and the influence of god's property and then also you got the influence of fred hammond and radical for christ and then you also got the influence of israel and new breed so i i literally went to church when that whole wave was hitting the black church and so it it really was like a different, completely different experience than you know my parents got, um, you know. And so I mean the the church embraced it. It was a big it was a big church for college students. We have an HBCU um, in the city, um, and then of course we have UA. And so at a certain point, our church was specifically like majorly full of college students. Um, and my father, he was a very a very young pastor. I think he started pastoring them. When he was like 24 um and so mm. just that youthful energy was just always always in the building and so it, it really was 
a different and honestly i'm so thankful that i grew up that way because i think it um it allowed me to freely explore what i could do spiritually but also what i could do musically um in in the safety of the church i didn't have to go outside you know looking for you know anything because really the church let me just figure it out they saw that i was musical and they were like all right cool go up and sing do, do your thing man um, and we'll support it. And yeah. I, I think that really helped me um, in the long run with confidence, you know. And so now I'm able to try different things in different rooms and um, just do that because of the foundation I got, you know. So, yeah. I relate to that a thousand percent because that's how, mm-hmm. like, especially when I started playing. I mean, of course, you start playing the drums. I think it's mostly, I don't, I don't know if you relate to it, but it was like sort of a hierarchy with the musicianship. Like it was like, it was like set people yes. on the music, music instruments. So it was like the organ. I couldn't yes. play the organ. I wanted to play the bass, mm-hmm. but it was already somebody there, guitar. And they're like 30 years in, like they're like way older mm-hmm. than me. So most yep. of the younger yep. musicians went to um, the drums because that, you know, mm-hmm. everybody would change out. And if you wasn't right. good, guess what? You about to get off them things. Get up. I've had that happen to me a couple of times. (laughs) They're like, uh uh. You're not keeping up. It's usually the tempo chain. Yeah, the tempo chain. When you get up in there, you know, the tempo chain, you're like, uh uh. All right, they'll do it midway. Listen. Right when the song is happening, it's like, uh, get up. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. When they they start, they're getting ready to bump, and you can't keep up. They're like, okay. Let's, right. let's get on that. It's, okay. it's all right. You can try next yeah, time. Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Absolutely. Thankfully, yeah. I had had that. It was just other musicians I saw, and I was like, oh, I need to get this right. And then it was yeah. also, yeah. like, for me, my honing those skills, like, discipline, because it was, like, my my music mentors in church, they were straight old school, Jamie Brown style. It was, mm. like, and this, I, I know this mm. probably, I don't know if you, we was cassette tapes with in rehearsal, so mm-hmm. it was like, like oh yeah, you only had about two, three times. He, and mind you, he rewinding it back for his part. You got to figure that out while he figuring wow. it out. It is by by the time this song is over with, you better have it down. I don't know what it felt like to not Ooh. have it down because it's like no, that's the expectation of no, you better get this right yeah. for this record before yeah. we pause and stop, stop. You better have this down before this cassette is yes. over with. And so yes. and then it's like. All right. It was no, oh, you did so well at that. You did so great. Nope. Next one. Let's go. No. <laughs> it wasn't, yes. I could get affirmations. There was no affirmation to people under 30. Ooh. There was no affirmations. If you grew up the way I grew up in church, it was no mm-hmm. affirmations. It was, nope. As long as you didn't mess oh, up no. and you got yes. off some things, it was, right. you did what you're supposed to do. It wasn't, but you did but your I job. grew up, yeah. But all that discipline, like learning that, it was just me just really, I didn't really start paying attention to stuff in church until I was a teenager, until I started playing the keys. Mm-hmm. And then, like you mm-hmm. said, with that freedom, my, my mentors, they gave me that freedom because I would just play. And it sounds crazy because when I say it, but I learned backwards because I started, when I learned how to play mm-hmm. the keys, I was jazz and classically trained. So I was backwards. I started oh. playing the keys outside of church. And then when I got back in the church, I started, I didn't understand how to play gospel until I would listen to R&B yeah. records. And it was like, oh, this kind of sounded like commission. I was like, wow. oh. And I'm listening to, yeah, I'm listening to like Jodeci. I was That's like, man, incredible. this is some, I was like, 
Yeah, and Prince, I'm like, listen, I was like, wait, this is all church mm-hmm. chords. And then I'm listening to blues, yep. like Albert King. I'm like, oh, it's a three, four, five. I was like, mm-hmm. this is blues. Mm-hmm. And that quartet drive, it's like, oh, this is just oh, yep. like funky blues. And so yep. learning all that, and I listen, I, I don't have no shame. I was playing Prince, Erotic City, Dort Offering. I, I don't have no yes. shame. <laughs> <laughs> I would disguise the chord. It would get to the point to where I would get bored and try to disguise it. I'm like, they ain't gonna know what this is. The only mm-hmm. time I got caught was uh, I played Bob Marley's Kinky Reggae. I did the, I could have covered it up, but I just like, dump, the dump, the dump. I was uh-huh. playing those uh-huh. chords and the basses was like, I, 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 don't do that. I was like, how do you know what I'm playing though? Exactly. How do you know I was playing how exactly that? do you know? But, See, but, you will know yourself. But then, but yeah, they were like, but they would let me play like Stevie Wonder though, during the mm-hmm. I would I'd be playing like Ripping in the Sky, like that's very blatant. They're like, yeah, play that. I was yes. like, really? You want me to play that? <laughs> you want me to do? That was safe. But yeah. That was safe. Right. You know, yeah, that was a safe one. Yeah. It was kinky reggae. That mm-hmm. was too much. I was going too far, yeah. too far to the <laughs> Come on back. Come but on yeah, back. I, yes. right. Come on, bring it, reel it in, reel it in. But I, I understand completely what you're saying. <laughs> It just growing up in church, church culture is different. It was just for me, it was like under like when I started playing the organ, it was just like how the pastor's tone, because everything has a rhythm too. I realized like everything has a rhythm and a pattern. And so mm-hmm. like with listening to pastors, they would have a and I would just sit like it'd be I'll get to a point where I'll just when I'd be at the organ, I'd be looking at the pastor. And I, I look at his notes and I'm like, if he got more than three notes, I'm like, oh, I could go to fellowship hall and get me something to drink real quick while he, yes. <laughs> while he doing his <laughs> sermon. I like, but if I saw right, right, right. if he flipping, if he flipping through the notes fast, it's like, oh, he gonna be here. He gonna he gonna be a quick little mm-hmm. 20 minutes. It ain't gonna be a almost mm-hmm. 40 minute sermon. It's gonna be real quick. And right. then when he start tuning up, it's like, all right, I'm about to get you a D flat, sir. Yep. I'm about to get with you. Come yep. on. <laughs> Church yep, culture is absolutely. so funny. People, if you never grew up in church, it's just certain stuff that happened in church. It's just so yeah. funny. And you like have, this stuff, the, the, the right, you had to been there. The lingo, <laughs> I, certain stuff you only hear in church. Like, woke up in my right mm-hmm. mind. I don't know what that means yes. still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I wake up in my wrong mind. That, as long as you don't wake that's up in it. your wrong mind like me. I think as that's long what as I you do. don't wake up in your wrong mind. <laughs> The highways and byways. I don't I don't know what yes. that means at all. He's <laughs> <laughs> like the highways yes. and byways. <laughs> What's a byway? I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, the preachers and then then my pre my pastor was old school. He said we're gonna have some show up checks today, not church. Listen. Church. <laughs> some show up checks. He was country. Listen, I love yeah. I miss that. That's why, that's the only thing I miss about church is that good old country black. Look, I grew up country, like the the pastor, the preacher, the guest speakers would come. They had that slick back perm that turned into an S-curl when they started sweating. And they got that outline gold tooth with them double breasted suits that look like Steve Harvey collection, the big ass suits. Oh man, just hot. (laughs) Just hot, but they they sing like they didn't broke two ribs. That's what I miss about church is them preachers. Yes, they they sound like they didn't broke two ribs when they look. The I love the pastor intro. He's like this Hilarious. next speaker when the when the choir come. This is the preacher. Mm-hmm. This preacher right here. He can show up preach. And his brother, yeah. 
They got all got a group of brothers that can sing. He be like, they better his brothers. Right. They was in a group that right. can sing for real. Mm-hmm. Look, they yep. they play this song right here. Look, this this all the guest speakers in the nineties will sing this song. Hold on, this is this is the sound they used to sing. But when I, when I look around, yep. yeah, I want to play that every guest speaker I've ever played. They, this right here. Good day. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. They'll come in after this. They get the whole church. Listen. Look, they get to the, the whole church. Hold on, this part right here. You get to hear right here. So I'll just build it up and then get to this part right uh-huh. here. He about, to, he about to go in. But the whole church out in the first row. Everybody, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, this part right here, here you go right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody lay down in the front row. Thank you. Get some spirit. Set a trunk up every single time. Every single time. <laughs> Right here. She starts Into prayer before the, yeah. you know, like the words of my mouth, the yeah. meditation of my heart, be acceptable, be acceptable. in thy sight. Lord, yes. you my right. Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. And my redeemer. I heard yes. that so many times. Yep. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Every amen. time. The that, that, <laughs> listen. That, that's how that's the church I grew up on right there. And then yeah. preaching about 20 minutes. He's like, I'm gonna let you go. Before I let you go. He said that about five times. I'm getting ready to close. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That's just the woman. Oh, yeah. He trying to bait you in. That's what that code word is. He trying to bait you that in never when you say that. <laughs> yeah. Never mean it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll get you a yeah. D flat. He tuned up. I'm right. like, I love the preacher. The old the country people, they be like, <laughs> what they say, he's my way maker, <laughs> the wheel in the middle of the wheel. I like the preachers <laughs> that do that. That shit. Oh, he gets yeah. it going. The yeah. alpha and omega. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the doctor in the hospital. Yeah, the, yep, the lawyer, yep. lawyer in the courthouse. Lawyer in the courtroom. <laughs> yes. Look, yeah. they'll go down the whole list. They they get you, and then I'll be right there with them. I'm like, go ahead, pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm going with you. Come on. Yeah. But yeah. But we went on, I went on a whole tangent. I Absolutely. <laughs> they like they like. Can you get to the questions, please. Listen, I like to have fun on this podcast. We we, we have fun on here. It's all good. It's I talk Sunday. about church culture all day. Yeah, it's Sunday. Listen, I was listening to I was getting in the spirit before I got, got on here. I was yeah. listening to camp spirituals and all that stuff. Ooh, I'm wow, old school. Yeah. That's how I like my I can't I can't oh, get yeah. 
I try to get with the new sound. It's too many times with the gospel, the new gospel. Uh, too many times, yeah. too many minor chords, too many E chords and, and A chords. Yeah. I, I don't, A minor, I can't get with that. I got to get me an A flat. Give me some flat chords, <laughs> God dog. Like that song right there? Give me some flat chords that sound yes. like it's, it's at the juke joint. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm at the juke, mm -hmm. about to give me a whiskey. Sour or in the church house. <laughs> That's what I like my gospel. Listen. I want my gospel to sound like yeah. that. <laughs> wow. But That's yeah, uh, just, listen, grow church culture is for me, I don't have a church hurt story. So it's like for me, it's just realizing most of it was just people just making up rules just cause. <laughs> and once I realized that, it really got nothing yeah. to do with the Bible. It's just Oh, y'all just made this up because y'all don't like it. Right. It ain't got nothing to do with being exactly. biblical reference. And so I ain't got exactly. no beef with Jesus or none of that. Or his people. It's just you just ain't gonna tell me what to do with my life. It's like once we make yeah. that clear, it's like, all right, I can get with it, you know. Yeah. Still love the Lord. <laughs> I pay my tithes. I That's just it. went to somebody's uh Facebook Live Baptist Church or church, uh mm. non-denomination uh. church this morning. I pay my tithes, you know. <laughs> I mean, I go, I may go every once in a while, you know, but it ain't mm -hmm. my daily ritual, just being a track. Right, that's right, my right, excuse, right. being a tour musician. It's like, I'm on tour. I can't go this Sunday. Right. You know, there's churches in the church. Not this Sunday, maybe next Sunday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Listen. So, <laughs> right. So, man, I, I'm sure it wasn't uh, pressure because what you say, your, your dad's just, um, catalog of music before uh transitioning into having his own church i'm sure that like you said your experience you just had a baby of different experiences so i'm sure you didn't feel limited or felt like you were constrained with being a church but what was that turn for you in terms of i guess wanting to do it I, or just like the just the capability of saying like when did when did you find your voice in that aspect? Um, I I guess I can answer this like twofold. So of course, because I mean I I think the confidence that I built singing in front of the audience or like singing live is different than the confidence I built singing in the studio very mm -hmm. different two two different things um mm -hmm. but they both for me they both came from the same place so i said earlier mm -hmm. that you know my church choir turned into a recording artist and so um we had we re recorded our um albums at the church so at our church we had mm -hmm. a studio and so um, my uncle who played keys, uh, like I said, he works with Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis now, incredible, incredible producer. Um, but he, that's, that's where he started. So, um, I would be in the studio with him, you know, like till three o'clock in the morning, just like falling, falling asleep. And he looked at me and he'd be like, <laughs> you can hang, you can hang. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm 11, like I'm about to go to sleep. <laughs> but um, you're right. like, no, we in the studio. If you're gonna be in the studio, we working. I'm like, all right. So, I mean, I had that as a kid. Um, and so I think being able to find where I fit in the studio, it took a little longer than um, 
me finding where I was able to fit in a live context because I had more opportunity to do it in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get to find my voice um, as far as like in the studio until like, until I was like 16. Um, around that time, I just started like, you know, trying my hand at like making beats first. Um, couldn't play at all, still can't play, but I knew enough to like, you know, you know, right, right, record right. one note, go back, record another note, record it, and then go back, record another note, and it, it will make record. Um, so, right. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I would do, but I always knew how to write. Um, I was really into writing uh, music and writing. Um, when I was a kid, I used to write scripts uh, for like movies. And so I was really into writing. Um, and so um, being able to like find my voice as a songwriter and also as a like a, a vocalist in the studio, um, that mm-hmm. came at a later time. And I think I was just able at a certain point, I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. I always knew this, you know, being in music was what I wanted to do. Um, I tell the story often. The first time I heard Brandy Full Moon, I was seven years old on the way to Disney World um, with my aunt and uncle. And I was like, this is the craziest, most perfect thing I've ever heard in my life. How do I get to do this? Number one, who who did this? Um, that's how I learned about uh, Dark Child and LaShawn Daniels. Because uh, at that time, mm-hmm. you know, you could read the credits. And so I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I want to dedicate my life to trying to make something as perfect as this. Um, and so 23 mm-hmm. years later, I, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was just like, if I'm going to do this, I need to get good. Like, I need to get good at it. I want to start writing, writing for artists. Um, and so let me just try. So I, a lot of, a lot of what I, did was just self-teach myself like I, I feel like I'm self-taught um because mm. literally my dad would have a mic um because my dad would have his own setup um but I would use this mic mm. I, my, I first started on reason um uh that was like an old school dog that I used to use um and then I switched over to logic and I just started like singing my ideas like singing my different harmonies singing my different melodies um i would sing a lot of covers um if people have been following me for like a long time they they would know that i started out on soundcloud singing different covers Mm -hmm. um they're still up there now and just literally through that i was able to like build my confidence as a vocal arranger as Mm -hmm. a vocalist um as a vocal producer um learning Mm -hmm. how to produce myself and from that you know the you know my ogs they were like you know you kind of you got something special and you know they helped me um and just started inviting me on into the process um and really from that that's how it kind of like snowballed um into everything um that's kind of happening now i had the opportunity you know i'm thankful for my father he allowed me to uh write on his first first project um around like 2012 that was like my senior year in high school um and that was the first time i first time i wrote a song that other people heard because it was for a live recording so other people Mm -hmm. heard the song 
Um, and then I was able mm-hmm. to sing with him. And so that was kind of the first time that people were able to like hear my voice as someone who had been working from the ground up. Cause like I said, I, I was going through puberty and so my range dropped. And so I had to figure out what I wanted to sound like. I had to figure out, you know, what my range was again. Um, and so, you know, having the opportunity to do that really helped. And just the reception from it, um, it kind of just helped me like move forward. And, you know, I, I saw how people, you know, liked it. And I was like, all right, well, you're doing okay, Jamil. Like, keep going. And so, yeah, I, I think for the most part, that part is self-taught for sure. Um, especially mm-hmm. like, you know, being in the studio. Cause I think just with studio, it's just so different that like, it's something that you have to do. Like you just have to keep doing it until you get mm-hmm. better at it. Um, Cause like just the whole process of like hearing your voice back through a machine, it's not like in church where you sing mm-hmm. the song once and it's done. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you gotta yeah. like hear yourself back. You gotta learn how to stack vocals. You gotta learn like, you just have mm-hmm. to learn your voice in a whole new way. Um, and so um, I, I just think I had the um, the desire, the drive and like the work ethic to just like confront myself in that way. Just knowing like learning how to be embarrassed by what I hear, learning how to like work on myself, mm-hmm. like self-improvement. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say, I, and it's sorry for a long answer, but I would say that it is something that's broken up. No, 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 you're good. Um, because, you know, I wasn't able to like have um, an upbringing where I was just so used to singing in the studio, like I was in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I mean, it worked out to where <laughs> to where I'm cool, I'm cool with both now. I love to do both. Um, I'm good with either application at this point. So, yeah, it worked out. <laughs> no, you 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 answered that perfectly. Uh, it's good you explain it like that because so the listeners can get a full scope of what you're talking about and so Mm -hmm. what you're talking about that's that's like skill like i think it's just something about the ones that i feel like that can do it professionally that can do it consistently and can get work Mm -hmm. you have to perfect it in that way because i'm I'm the same way when it came i mean with it it was the same like i get like uh playing in church live versus Playing in studios totally different, even though I use the same like uh the discipline of like getting it right the first time. That was more of my right. what I took from like like because in church, like you're really dealing with the 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 energy, which you know, from a jazz standpoint, like being trained that way, that's mostly what church was when I learned it was mm-hmm. improv, because it's like you rehearsing a song that maybe mm-hmm. four minutes long, but whenever you Get in front of Sunday, get in front of the congregation, it turned into 10 minutes because the spirit correct that's part of the improv and you know how to stretch the song. And then if you're good, mm-hmm. you know which part that's going, you know what I mean? Because if the, the choir mm-hmm. singing Absolutely. I'm on the battlefield, you know, that song, you know, getting the spirit on, and you know that the choir directors break the harmonies up and she gonna yep. want the musicians <laughs> to quit playing and then it's gonna keep repeating mm-hmm. until they get tired of singing it. so but yeah it's yeah. just that that energy in terms of getting it right and then you can like you know you can ex- once you get it right you can expand it you know and play it you know and do your thing with it but studio is mostly yep. i know from my experience just recording it was like 
just in the beginning, it was just filled in space. So it's like the producer, like, like just in church is like, is it okay? Is it good? All right, go to the next one. It's sort of that. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? It was just work. It wasn't like, yeah. oh yeah. man, we're chilling. It's like, no, we're right. done yeah. because the record label, once it's done, <laughs> once it's done before the day's over with. So it was a lot like that. Listen, they paying for studio and time. Labor. Yeah. Yeah, and then when they know you can do everything, they like, oh yeah, get her to do this since she's already there. Mm-hmm. Get her to do about four more songs. Mind you, I'm always supposed right. to be there. They're like, oh, do these two for you know? No, she's right. fine. Just get her to do this, you know. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. just like any yep. other job in America, it's like once they realize you can do it, they're like, oh, go ahead, you be all right. Just get these real exactly. quick before the day. Over. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I totally get it. You want to do another one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's nope. exactly the experience, Bill. That's exactly how it was. Right. I, and LaShawn, I, I got to work with him. Uh, you know, I hate mentioning this man named the 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 the, the bad boy guy. You know, not the reference uh, him. Yes. You know, I know he yeah, and Pop yeah, yeah. was. Uh-huh. You know, but through that connection, <laughs> I knew Justin. Uh, <laughs> Justin Walker was working on one of those uh, artists on his labels that and ended up doing some demos for for that and LaShawn would come in mm-hmm. and I would just play the part and he would sing it to me and just taking direction from him and how he want I was like how do you want this and he would me and him would just but yeah it was a good time uh, that's yeah. when when you start collaborating outside of when it was more like songwriters that were helping me besides mm-hmm. the producer that, that's when it was fun because LaShawn was a good time he was one of those guys Man. For me, I'm like, if nobody made it into heaven, he made it in because <laughs> he, he talked about God so much to where it was like, sir, yeah. I, I just said hi. I don't need all these Christian salutations. But <laughs> I, I grew up in church, but he was just OD with it. But he was just, Listen. to me, I get sad because it's like, yeah, it was like, I would go from being sad and then laughing because he was that guy. He told me, <laughs> he told me because I, I would talk about stuff or whatever. We would have conversations and I tell him the stuff I had, had going on. He's like, you got an unsaved bed. That's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> he told me I had an unsaved bed. I was like, you ain't gonna make me feel bad about oh, Yeah, I was like, you can't you can't make me feel Ooh. bad about nothing, sir. Okay. <laughs> And Listen, it was like, you know, he going to a whole Christian Bible scripture. I'm like, I don't care nothing about that. I am in my 20s That's and having fun. I don't care nothing about what you're Having talking. a good time. That's why <laughs> I'm freaking out. Yeah, I'm having a good time. I don't care nothing about what you're talking about. Man. But yeah, uh, LaShawn, like you just learning that, like that being your pinnacle of, mm-hmm. in which you transition perfectly to my next question in terms of, because I feel like everybody has this the pinnacle artist i feel like you know like when i say introduction music like that artist that's that go-to for you like who's that pinnacle for you who's that i know you said brandy but is it added on to that or who who else is added on to that that pinnacle artist for you so i actually have a few um if you don't mind um Mm. they're go ahead listen man go ahead that's what we do so so i i have like (laughs) four, no, five albums. And it's not really an artist, because I do know that artists, they can go through like ebbs and flows, just their artistry. And so I focus, I'm really like album focused. I'm album centric. Um, But they're like five albums that Mm. I always say changed Mm. my life, changed the way that I heard music. Um, And so the first one, of course, is Full Moon. 
the second one, um, Voodoo mm. by D'Angelo. Now, actually, D'Angelo yes. might be that artist because D'Angelo has never let me down. <laughs> uh, he's never right. let me down. Um, Voodoo, I heard Voodoo a little later because, of course, I mean, I, I wasn't a kid listening to Voodoo. Um, but mm-hmm. when I heard it, just, you know what? You know what it was? Especially with Voodoo and um, Full Moon, I think the church kid in me recognized, like, it recognized that church element or like those gospel influences. And so mm-hmm. the way that they were doing it was just so, it was gospel of course, but it was still like, it was swaggy. Like it it had like that type of, you know, mm-hmm. energy to it. And I found that to be so mm-hmm. alluring. Like it was just so interesting to me because I never, I never, you know, well, I never wanted to be an artist in the first place, but if I did do music as an artist, I knew I wanted to do R&B. I always know I wanted to do R&B. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to do gospel. <clears throat> um, um, and I think that's that's just because of my influences. And so, um, Voodoo, Full Moon. Um, what else? Uh, there's another one. Stankonia. There you go. Um, by Outkast. Yeah grew up on that when i first heard that that completely blew my mind just what they were able to just do with sound it's it's just i think that's what it comes down to Mm -hmm. i think it's just so genius and i think that's why i like i love music those are the moments that make me love music just like what you're able to do with sound um and so stankonia later down the line came to pippa butterfly that i mean one of my, I, I would say that that's my favorite mm-hmm. hip hop album of all time. So, Pippa Butterfly completely changed everything for me. Um, and then, uh, Graduation by Kanye West. So, the, I think those five mm-hmm. albums were really just paramount and like defining my ear. Like, a lot of what I love about music, they're in those albums. Um, not always in those artists, because again, like, especially with a person like Kanye, you know. I, I can't even recognize him anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I can't recognize his artistry anymore. <laughs> the thing that made me fall in love with right. him, you know, in 2004, I can't recognize it anymore. So I, I, I like to focus it in on albums uh, because I think that they deserve equal, mm-hmm. you know, equal reverence to artists. Um, and, you know, depending on what album it is, I think the legacy of an album, um, it may actually outrun the legacy of an artist. You know, and you know, a lot of times, because a lot of people you'll hear, you know, especially with Brandy and like D'Angelo, Full Moon and Voodoo, they are responsible for influencing a whole generation of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of artists, um, <clears throat> artists who actually have never heard, you know, any of the previous their previous works, but just that album made them like, you know, oh, I'm gonna do this for real. And so. Yeah, I, I, but I would say those five al- albums helped me, you know, in that way. Yeah, you listen, you you starting off, that's just a pinnacle right there. I think for me, it's just like, that's absolutely mine too, D'Angelo. I think understanding what it was, like his creative process with that, I think the only thing that I try to like 
haze out because they like fuck up the vibe of just wanting to listen to it is mostly the the debates on Twitter about you know going from neo soul and I then I hate it gets into another mm. conversation that I plan to have with in terms of the journalism that happened back then and you know what's so crazy is that you know the vibes and the all those those the source the reason why those magazines was created because you know uh, uh, publications like Rolling Stone and uh, back then in Vogue, all them, you know, that covered black artists, they never fully understood that music. So when it's like those artists that came out in the nineties and then they're still going out with their sophomore album, their sophomore album never peaked like they wanted it to because you had, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying this because, you know, trying to be, you know, disparaging, but it's just was shitty. Like if you look up like all the articles back then of these artists, they're just they're just horrible takes on, yes. and it's mostly from yeah. white journalists, and they wrote books yep. about it. Like just <clears throat> me reading all these different excerpts and, and and what they would say. Like even going back to like the early '90s with the New Jack mm-hmm. and all those different artists, like even a guy Jody yeah. SWV. They said I read an article. I read a a, a piece of a book where this dude said that Jodeci sounded like somebody let their kid brothers in the studio and just play like, really? Like, this is, this is how you hear, this is a white, this is what they were writing. Like, this ain't me making it up. Like, they're saying, and then they said, oh, SWV's week, it was lackluster and the human nature, it's okay. Like, that's white journalism for that time. So just imagine if there were, like, the Black journalists of today, like me having a publication, if we were able to write about these artists in their prime, Mm -hmm. how much bigger, like, because if it wasn't for a vibe and source, you know, telling how, you know, if they would have even hit platinum status, if they wasn't writing about it, because they were the culture. And Rollins, they all, yep. and that's why, listen, it goes into so many different conversations. That's why uh, people making a big deal about journalism failing now. It's like, no, this is what happens when you allow these people to write the stories yep. on artists where they're yep. completely blind to what's happening. And they're always yep. late to the culture because they're not tapped into it because they don't want to understand it. Like they don't understand D'Angelo's boot. They didn't understand it back then because they thought it was yeah. like, sloppy, and which that's what it was. But that Dilla, Dilla uh, just exactly. pro- reprogrammed everybody's heads during that. Yeah. And it's not it's not Neil Soul. It's not a genre no. that unfamiliar. It's Pool in a Gang. It's uh, Herbie Hancock. It's it's uh, yes. George Duke. Yeah. George Duke was doing yeah. that on Dookie Stick. Like it's, it's, it's so many musicians that already captured that sound. It's because the time period was completely hip hop and R&B sonically where there was no instrumentation. And I told Maxwell this, uh, I, I interviewed him off the record and I was like, dude, I was like, cause most people don't even know his, his uh, that Urban Hanks week was uh, shelved for two years. It came out in 94. Wow. Shelved it. They shelved it uh, for two years. I mean, yeah, uh, for, for a year until uh, D'Angelo's Brown Sugar and that's when they put it out. Yeah, it was, wow. uh, Maxwell said they shelved it. And then Maxwell, he started out doing house music because he came from, I mean, he's from Brooklyn, but he recorded in Chicago. And so he was doing house music before he did Urban Hanks Week because Nate. Uh, that makes so much um, sense. Nate Robinson, uh, he, he's uh, the, the founder of uh, the, the music group uh, entertainment uh, record label that signed MC Light 
he said he was going to okay. sign Maxwell, but he was doing the house. I was like, why didn't you sit? Why didn't why did you sign him? Because I thought it was crazy that he didn't sign right. Maxwell, but he said he was doing house music. And at the time, you know, even though it was in, that just wasn't their market because they were doing hip hop. He said right. if he was doing, right. if he would have brought on Urban Haynes Suite then. But yeah, it's just stuff like that. You learn mm-hmm. like the marketing with records. And I think because they marketed and it started with Erica, that's when they started coining it. Keydart started mm-hmm. uh, coining the term Neo Soul, but it wasn't for that coining that then I think it would have been more receptive to what he was doing. But all D'Angelo was doing mm-hmm. was just, you know, Funkadelic Parliament. It was just gearing up towards what he was already doing and what Black Messiah is. That's all that is. It's just a precedent of what he yep. did with Buddha. Yeah. People yeah. that, you know, like I said, unmusical whites. Listen, I, I right. talk free on yes. my show. Fuck all that. I, listen, listen, the unmusical white. You follow me. You know. You follow me. You, you I know. Listen, let's go there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's listen, go there. I can't for do real. this with. So, listen, some of them, like it, it's just for me. It, even with the 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 bastard that wrote that uh the the old co-founder of uh, Rolling Stone, that bastard that wrote that mm-hmm. book that nobody cared about. Yep. Fuck that book. Right. Talking about the masters exactly. of. Of fucking, I was like, I was like, you got the audacity. Like it's just blatant to where you don't, you just don't want to give black artists credit. And mind you, you came up with Rolling Stone. That was from a black man named Muddy Waters' song Rolling Stone from your favorite artist yes. that took the song and made it his name of their band. But I was like, it's yeah. ironic. You you don't you don't want to credit black artists, but you'll take the name of it to to make your publication. That's that's super yep. ironic. And that and that's the thing. Me. That's the thing me. with them. <laughs> that's that's really the thing with them. Like, even though you don't want to give black artists credit, there is no possible way that we are not going to be the conversation, especially when we're talking about music. Because literally exactly. we created we created all of this. So exactly. I mean, the only the only thing that you know that you have is the power of a narrative, which is why, mm. which is why we see these different things like neo soul. Like I, I do not consider Voodoo a neo soul album because of what you just said. Me like right. you can hear it, and you can very clearly hear its predecessors, like from twenty mm. years ago. Like you can, or like thirty years ago at that time. But you can you can hear the, all those things in the music so what is so neo about it it's more it's more of a continuation than it is like a new thing and i think that mm-hmm. um especially for me that's what i love about black music it's a continuation it's always a, mm-hmm. a circle it's always going to go in a circle what you hear well maybe not now because i don't know what's going on with uh black music now but at a certain point what you heard <laughs> Um, it can it, it has parents, it has grandparents. You can, it can be traced back. It has that lineage. It has that heritage there. Yeah. Um, and so, I, like you know, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, it was a marketing scheme. Um, it was a lazy marketing scheme, honestly. Um, that did more of a disservice to a period of time where um, not only the music of that time should have had more credit. But the the artists who inspired that time should have had more credit for for what they contributed mm-hmm. to the Baduisms and the Mama's Guns and the Voodoo's and mm-hmm. um, you know all all of the music that came out during that time. Um, so yeah, I you know it's just that's that's sadly what the music industry has become—just lazy marketing. Um, 
And mm-hmm. like I said, the power of narrative, it can, it can shift the conversation um, to wild places into places that ultimately discredit black artistry. And that I'm not with, I, I'm not ever with that. Yeah. Um, I don't care to hear my news or my criticism about black art in general from white mm-hmm. people. Just period, because I mean, there's there's certain entry points and yeah. certain reference points that you just don't have. You don't mm-hmm. you don't get you don't you know you don't hear voodoo and like oh that's quartet, like oh that's devil, mm-hmm. like you don't yeah. you don't hear that because you're not a part of that culture. And I mean that's fine, mm-hmm. you know I don't care. I, I'm not I'm not a part of the whole integration type thing. But you know, given black art, given black writers that opportunity, I wish they had the opportunity to be able to like write about you know, our music of that time. I love now because now, um, well, it's a little dicey with journalism and criticism now, but usually what comes out is from black writers. And I do appreciate that because they just understand, they understand the culture. I I don't, I don't want to hear from a white writer who grew up in the suburbs of Illinois talk about drill, Chicago drill music. It does not make sense. Just because you can do it doesn't mean yeah. you should. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually very specific about that. Um, I'm a person who loves context. And if your context as a person does not match the context of the music, there's no reason I should be listening to you because you're already starting off on a different level. Like you're starting off on the wrong level for me. So, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just a matter of, amplifying the black publications because we don't mm-hmm. and mind you when we do write it, and it's all of the like albumism uh they do album anniversary like i do album anniversaries and talk about i'm starting to get back into it now because uh i'm starting mm-hmm. to get that into you know because i feel like it's important because that whole thing even though i saw the importance of it before because it was certain albums that came out last year i felt like need to, to be talked about and praised but even beyond that just the old co-founder of Rolling Stone saying that it's like this is the perfect time to amplify black journalism, just black publications, because there I can name all yeah. of them like that great juice, uh, this is R and B. Some of I ain't gonna name all of them because some of them is white on publicate uh publications perpetrating like they know R and B. I ain't all R and B matters. And so listen, yeah. I listen, I listen. Don't let me get messy and start naming names. Y'all know who it is. Right <laughs> on publications that are doing strictly R&B music. That's what I'm talking about. Take it. What Megan yeah. trying to say, the hit dog holler, take it however you want to. I don't care. Exactly. I don't care nothing about that. If you, you, ain't, you ain't part of this culture just because you you write about uh, yeah. SWV and 702 don't mean you know everything about black music or right. cultures. Right, exactly. But that's how they do. They'll yep. come in and infiltrate it and then try to Add on to what everybody else doing and try to tag mm-hmm. along with the oh what do you what do you think is the best album get out of here with that right. it's like they'll take, right. try to take exactly. credit for the stuff that already existed in terms of the online conversation and in complex and all them they do that too where they'll still they steal my tweets all the time they take they take oh, people's yeah. tweets and make conversations about it on Instagram and you know all oh, that yeah. stuff but oh, yeah. just the importance of black publications and we get and the, the sad thing is when we go to interview the 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 A-list celebrities they group us in unfortunately we get grouped in with the gossip uh you know the name I ain't gotta wow. drop them but all the yeah. gossip yeah. but we get grouped in with that so 
when Tyler mm-hmm. the Creator's talking about, we, we just want to talk about. It. I'm like, yeah, we got podcasts where we talk strictly about music and don't go into your personal life. But y'all rather go to yeah. the complexes than the the NPRs where these goofy motherfuckers exactly. just got it that day. Mind you, the the exactly. entry level job, the freelance writers, they mostly got that on their desk that day. Like they're not paid mm-hmm. to specifically have their own stories. They don't even get to pick their headline and then they get paid maybe a hundred or two hundred dollars per article and don't even get to pick their own shit. I didn't want to go that route. I'm like, I'm already a musician. I had the privilege of having a background in the music industry, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to highlight my writing. I could afford to start my own publication and that's how I started. And, you know, it's just a matter of, which I did the same thing, you know, Rolling Stone, I did the same thing because he just had he but my the difference between that is i actually have a background in music and people want to actually right. from, it's just like with sports angelists now to where they're hiring more former athletes it's like you rather hear a former athlete talk about sports uh analyzing right. it on tv versus somebody that was a a, a goofy nerd in school that likes the stats right. and all that stuff you want to hear from an right. actual player i actually play mm-hmm. instruments i actually produce music and write songs so i know how it's constructed yeah. and so when you get respect and then you know listen we go into it go in so many different directions because it's a lot of ego driven people in journalism that's why i'm not halfway yeah. feeling bad for some of these people get layoffs because they a lot of them are assholes and so i don't respect it so that's i'm kind of i won't that be better but you know you know because they no, be trying real. to act like because and we got the same that's the thing we all got the same access to people with with you know mm-hmm. and they, they try to act like you know oh because you get credentials that start like dude you asking for credentials i'm already there at the venue so we we operate on two different right. levels so, you know <laughs> exactly and yes. be bragging or, or being evident yes. to say we're not but they try to make it a, a arrogant thing of like oh my my stuff is doing better than yours i'm just trying to like i'm trying to you know get everybody together and Make some money together, but they don't want to make money. Right. Together. I'm talking about all the R&B, the black-owned publications. I'm trying to get them together to make mm-hmm. money, but they be so separate. Right. That's most. That, listen, go so many different directions. Hell, let me let me get back on track because yeah. I'll go on a whole rant talk about these nah, journalists the truth. today. You are you telling know. the truth. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you it's, you it's, talking it's, about D'Angelo's? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Bobby. I need to cut you off. Oh no! And I was just saying, like it's it's a shame. Like I, I really want better for like, especially like what we do for ourselves and like for our music. Like I think it, mm-hmm. we can't operate in the same way that they do, <clears throat> because, again, just that power of narrative. Like we have to know that number one, you know, we don't necessarily have it. Um, and so that should cause us to stick together more <laughs> and not to let ego and like, mm-hmm. you know, right. stuff like that get in the way. Cause honestly, you know, I know what you had to do to get that credential. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I know what you had to do because right. they asked me to do that thing and I just didn't do it. So, you know, right. you know, let's put the ego aside and like, let's find a way to build together. So, you know, I'm, I'm totally with that. Um, yeah, I'm with that. And it's about the same in the, the music industry. You were talking about you don't know what's going on. Oh, I think God. the most of the thing is, I think the problem with it, and I've seen some of these artists say online they're trying to bring Neo Soul back. I would tell them not to do that because 
just like the limitations that put on the artist before you that did that is going to put limitations on you in terms of where you could go. But it doesn't mean that Neo Soul, <laughs> I'm not trying to make it seem like it's a derogatory word, but what I'm saying is it's going to put you in a box to where that's what mm -hmm. it did for those artists. Like what Bilal mm -hmm. did, I wouldn't even consider that Neo Soul because no. he pulled from jazz. No. All these artists never pulled from the same sources. Bilal, of course, Prince, in the revolution, of course, mm -hmm. you of course, of course, of course. Uh, jazz. It had more of a jazz, and I and I mm -hmm. interviewed him, and he said, "Well, I don't know if he still feels this way." He said, "If you call him Neil Soul, he gonna cuss you out." So I don't know if he still feels that way. That was years ago. I'm sure he still feels that way. <laughs> but but <laughs> sure he, he said that I right, and he's like, "What I'm doing is from pulling from jazz, and you keep putting me in this category when." When it's mm -hmm. other white artists, you hear them doing the same thing. You call that jazz and all that stuff. Yep. But when I do it, it's Ooh. neo soul. And it's like, and, and Marsha oh, and Rosa said the same thing. I think they just quit. I think they just surrendered to the idea of it and just like, you know, call mm -hmm. me whatever you want to. But I'm going to say it's not a genre. And I'm going to keep saying right. I need to write an article. And neo yes. soul is not a genre. I keep saying I'm going to do it. Yes. It's yes. just, it's to the new artists, do not fall into that web of, you know, you can be inspired by the D'Angelo's and the Erica's, but you ain't got to label it. Don't label your music, Neo Soul, because that's all, all the no. promoters. Oh, and it goes into a whole subject with uh, touring, with the promoters mm -hmm. and the business. But I think with yep. the music industry, I think it's just people, I think we have to work from those of us with privilege, we have to work work it inside because I think a lot of times we wait for them to give give the go ahead that this is cool and we just have to set the precedent of okay, you know what's wrong with the music industry they lack mm -hmm. with getting on with streaming and with the residuals royalties then we have I, right. and shout outs to the hundred percenters their uh organization yes. they're actually yes. trying to get legislation passed you know to because that's all it's going to take is being a union. That is just going to get to that point where yeah. uh, the music yep. industry, they're going to have to form a union because that's the only way we're going to get. Mm -hmm. Listen, we listen. We were just talking about this the other, like a part of a, a album that did over a million on the streams. And what was what royalties am I getting from that? <laughs> I get paid more as yeah. a podcaster than, than I do on Spotify. Yeah. Shout out to Spotify, yeah. though. Hey, listen, it's a, a contradictory thing on my end because yeah. I still get paid through them, but. Not as a not as a writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My relationship with Spotify is okay. Right, uh, right, right, right. Listen, <laughs> I know your credits, man. You did, you did, you had a fantastic year last year, which we're gonna get to. We're gonna get to your music in terms of perfect segue, Mel. We gonna we gonna skip past that and get straight to okay. <laughs> listen your credits. We are gonna get to the credits. It's important to talk about. You you mentioned uh. When I asked you about your, your uh, just you honing your voice and learning, and you said the Brandy album Full Moon, and you were talking about just really, really digging into that. In terms of the the credits that you have now, you got it 2012, 2013, 2014. When, when did that become comfortable for you in terms of like, I got this, like, you knowing your style as a, as a producer songwriter, when did that come to you in terms of what? your style is? Honestly, maybe about like three years ago is when I really started getting comfortable. Nice. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's another one of those like two tiered 
answer things because um we talked you you talked about collaboration and I think I I've just now been able to collaborate with different people. Um at first okay. most of the work that I was doing was by myself. Um I would just be in my mm-hmm. room or I go down to my basement and I'll just write it, sing it. I would mm-hmm. you know do a rough mix, send it off, you know, and just do it that way. Um I really didn't have an opportunity to be in the room with other people. Um mm-hmm. um until like my first writer's camp was for uh Leslie Odom. We worked out of mm-hmm. George Lucas's uh studio and um in San Francisco. And so being there was so intimidating, number one, because I did not I didn't know Leslie Odom. Um mm. <laughs> and it's funny I'm, I'm saying this whole name. I didn't know Leslie. Um at that time, <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually made a tweet saying, "Hey, I would love to work with Leslie Odom one day." Um, and I was just, I did that maybe like three times, um, and then he reached out mm-hmm. to me. He was like, "Yo, I got a writer's camp, um, working on my new album. I would love for you to come." And so, they've been working. His team had already been working together for his previous album, and so they had just like a rapport and just a relationship that I was really coming in as a new guy. I was coming in as the guy with the least credits. I was coming in with the guy, like I was the youngest, actually the youngest in the room. And so that was just intimidating in itself. And I think collaboration, it really pushes you to like believe in your voice. Um, And that was an exercise of just that. Um, I really had to like trust what I could do because I've done it before. At that point, I've been doing it you know, for a while. Um, And so, you know, just being comfortable enough to say like, you know, these are my ideas. And if they suck, they suck. That's cool. I can go back and write some new ones, like, because this is what I do. But being brave enough to say like, just to put your ideas on the chopping block, it's just really, that's not, that didn't come easy for me. Um, And so I, I feel like just through that whole process, I've been able to, um, to like, you know, just believe in myself and just have confidence in myself. Another example is I did a, I've been doing some uh, writing sessions with Terry Lewis of of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, which Mm. is intimidating in itself because it's Terry Mm -hmm. Lewis. Like, he literally wrote, (laughs) like, everything under the sun. (laughs) So, that that was intimidating, but like being able to like, you know, tell him, hey, that idea is cool, but I think I got a better one. Like that in itself, that's a practice. That's something Mm -hmm. that I had to like practice and be okay with. Or, you know, the opposite. I mean, you know, he asked like, yeah, sing sing your idea for me real quick. And I'm like, okay. And I sing it and he's like, I don't know. It could be better. Go back and do it. And I'm just like, "Uh, okay. Did did Terry Lewis just say my idea suck? Like, because that's just a different... (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> like, okay, well, maybe I should quit. I don't know. Like, I, I should quit. I'll just go home. Um, and so, you know, just <laughs> I, I, I've just been able to do that in like the last, you know, three to four years. Um, and so, I think that has helped me build just a new, a new level of confidence in myself. Um, to where now in 2024, I'm like, oh, I got this. I can go in pretty much any room and be like. I've done the hard part. I've done the hard thing. And so all I just need to do is just trust myself, trust my gut, and just be open to other people's ideas. I think by me being open to collaboration, it made me 
stronger as an individual because I'm no longer afraid or, you know, afraid of rejection or afraid of, you know, what other people mm-hmm. may think um, about my process, which is something that is, um, which is something I wish more songwriters would talk about, just the difference in processes. Um, some people may write slower. That's not, that's not because mm-hmm. you suck. It just may be because your process is that way. And so, um, yeah, just all of those things, all of those different practices, me, me being able to be in different rooms, writing with people and, you know, just getting out of my own echo chamber, it really just helped me grow into mm-hmm. um, a formidable collaborator. Um, and so, yeah. Holding on to us, mm-hmm. which, you know what's so thing, it's so melodic and it's so, I, I, I love, everything about that song it's it's the the intricacies of how he plays with those notes what was it specific about uh you writing on that 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 uh you could capture that magic in his voice because i i love it it's it's yeah so it's just um, something about it it just touches thank you i appreciate that um i i actually love working on that song um i wrote that with um uh sam's ashworth he's an incredible songwriter he's worked with her um yeah he's worked with pretty much everybody um and oh my god i'm i'm forgetting his name i feel bad but um i wrote it with another writer so it was three of us who were writing the song um and honestly i think that was one of the first sessions i did at the camp and so um i was still filling everybody out um I was able to like put my my two cents in and you know get a couple of lines off and then help me kind of like structure the song and structure the melody um a little bit um so i i was super grateful for that but i will say from that um i was able to be in the studio when leslie was doing the vocal um and he was you know he knew what i could do so he's like jamal come up to the come up to the uh console and like vocal produce this like you know does it sound good like does mm-hmm. it sound right how i'm doing it da, 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 which was super cool because i'm like you know again we're new i'm, I'm well i'm new um this is a new relationship right. and so i don't want to like impede on your process but if you are asking mm-hmm. i think you should do this da, 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 da. um and so mm-hmm. but no the way the way that leslie works his voice is incredible um his like he's so intentional with like how he Mm -hmm. delivers a vocal. Um, Mm. And so I think I ended up learning more from him um, than the other way around. Of course, I helped him with some melody, Mm. some melody stuff that made it onto the album. I thought that was really cool. Um, Which, which part? I can kind of, so more so like in the verses. um, Okay. yeah, so like like all of those movements. Um, okay, you know what? Like, that dude kind of got a little brandy in it. That I was wondering that because yeah. I always try to <laughs> capture songwriter styles. It, it has that that feel to it. So I get yeah, yeah, that. that's cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, wow. it, it was cool helping him with that part and like going going back and forth and just like coming up with ideas. Um, mm for the for the melody and also just for the delivery of it of it and um mm-hmm. i you know he just he took it and made it 
made it come to life. But yeah, that that song was really cool because it allowed me to not only be in the songwriter space, but it allowed me to showcase what I could do as a, you know, as a vocalist, as a vocal producer. Like I, I really appreciated him giving me that opportunity specifically um, because I am a songwriter who also vocal produces. Um, I, I, I'm, yeah. I, you know, I think they're both super important. Um, which makes sense because LaShawn, yeah, yeah. LaShawn is like my hero. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I picked up a lot of things um, from him and just his example. And so him giving me that opportunity, especially with that song, and it came out so great. It came out so beautiful. I love that song. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Man, it's, it's just a great song. Man, I wanna play it right now. Hold on, let me pull it up. This this song is is just really great. I my mind you, it's like a journey. And that back beat, it gives me that the eggs feel, but yeah. what y'all did vocal with it's great. It's that it's that little subtleness of how he's approaching it. That's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, you know what he's giving me? It's giving me seal. He's giving me a little seal. Yes. That's what I just oh. It's giving yes. what seal gave me in the early night. What? Sim is incredible. It's giving me that vibe. Is he he's he incredible? I, I think I <laughs> cried. I think the first time I seen him, I was weeping. Like with him and a little app, Aletta Adams. Like I, I, I have to like space out when I watch them because when I listen to Aletta they, Adams, I will literally oh, okay, weep. Okay. Yeah. No, but it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she's a whole different concept. She's the pinnacle for me. My top ten. We talk about top ten singers. Oh, she'll have me yes, laid sir. out. I can't. I, I went through is her. That, is that it? Get here. Yeah, I think so. Man, yeah, listen. That's her called... first album is just. Yes, that's what it is. From her first album, I was just listening to that. Mm -hmm. I for the whole. I think. We. <laughs> Emotionally, it's just oh god. Mm -hmm. yeah, still the same thing for me. For me, it's like then me into in terms of vocally, because of course I said you know the pinnacle, but it's just something about certain people's vocals. For me, take in any style of this. I think I'll, I'll you if you don't people they won't. Into a certain, certain way, like they have to hit those kind of notes, like the you know you had the the seventies and eighties, like most singers they came from the church, so they had a lot of those popular records that sounded like church, like the Melissa Morgans, the Mickey Howards, you know they had those strong vocality, and so certain people's ears is keen to want to sound like that. For me, my ear can bend to anything as long as I can feel what you're singing. I can connect to mm -hmm. it just like with uh, 
uh, journey, like uh, uh, Steve Perry, one of my top favorite vocalists. Like, mm. my top, if I just had one wow, without yeah. a genre, Steve Perry has the purest vocal I've ever heard. His voice is so mm-hmm. unique. And Asia from yeah. Kendrick, the family soul, like, she just has a pure yes. tone to where it's like, it touches my soul. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. need you to do all the vocal acrobats and the runs and all. Like, just give me a pure right. vocal. And that's what I feel like a great singer is that knows no placement, that knows where the arrangement is going, that no, understands the spacing in songs. Like, that's why I love Oleta Adams, because the way she de- yeah. defines it, because the artist, the singer is supposed to define the spacing in it, like listening to the lyrics. If you got a demo, it's like understanding what everything's doing. Because if you understand the spacing, then you know how to add it. That's why Tony Braxton's in my yes. top. That's why Anita Baker's oh, in my top because yes. they understood spacing and ad libs. That's why their ad libs could just float the way they wanted to. Even okay. uh, the new artist okay. now, I'll, I'll add a new artist. Uh, was it uh, Tamara Shanice from uh, from the Shindellas? Like yeah, the way from she the Shindellas, the homie. Yeah, yeah. from the way she's way she. Yeah, the way she floats, like that's what it gives me that. And and even uh Jasmine Sullivan, we we could go there. We could go oh, yeah. to uh oh, yeah. these this new artists that can float, they could just float with the ad libs. And then uh mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a new artist. I just saw them last year, but man, her vocals is great. Oh, can't mention, can't can't talk about nobody but Sam Joy. Uh uh Sam, what's her name? Oh. Sam Joy. Yeah, Samara Joy. I seen yeah, her Samara yeah. Joy. Listen, I seen her yeah. at uh live last year at the Hollywood Bowl. She is the one. Yeah. The vocals. Oh, yeah. The way she oh, floats. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, man, she's she gonna be crazy. another one that's gonna have me laid out at the front row of a concert. Cause it's just, yeah. if she put yep. she put out another album. That's like, oh my God. Yeah, incredible. But yeah, yeah there's so many of them that, that have that ability, you know, and what 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 what's that for you? Like who who's that 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 vocally? I ain't gonna say no no Mount Rushmore because people keep taking that in other podcasts. I ain't gonna say the top <laughs> four of Mount Rushmore. But just somebody like when you hear them, that's singing to you. When you hear them that like like that's the vocality I need to touch my soul. Well, um, so and I know y'all tired of hearing me say these names. Brandy, I I can't. Oh. Brandy is just <laughs> she. For me, she really reinvented some things in my mind just about singing and placement and just like yeah. what you can do with tone and vibrato, what you can do with runs, like how exactly you can make it yeah. fit. Um, D'Angelo is another one. It's just absolutely unbelievable um and i really don't think enough people give him credit vocally and you know what it's it's funny saying that about d'angelo because i feel the same way about prince i think prince vocally he just does i don't know the way that he just sings and the way that he emotes um the character is character work and like he brings it to life but my my top two of all time of all time um Aretha Franklin and Stevie oh. Wonder. Just, <laughs> just the soul, like the amount of soul that comes out of mm. those people. Like it's 
it it always and it's it's not just soul but it's like a freedom it's a freedom that they sing with like Mm -hmm. and it reminds me so much and i i guess i mean it reminds me so much of being in church you know um and it makes sense for them specifically because you know they grew up in the church well all four of the singers that i mentioned they grew up in the church and so and just like having that influence um and so they just have that that freedom and it's just like when you listen to them sing it's like they're not thinking they're not thinking much about it like i think the beautiful thing about aretha franklin like she'll just let out a whale and like it just Mm -hmm. it hits it hits Mm -hmm. um it hits your Mm -hmm. soul like how it's supposed to um i will also say sade i think sade has a beautiful voice it's unconventional yes that's it for me yes yeah no no one can do a sade song justice to me like no one because no one has that just that slinkiness and like that vibe like yeah and she has it so effortlessly yeah um anita baker of course in my top um gladys knight incredible ah. Woo! she's so good <laughs> talk it. she's yes, so good Woo. um of course you got to say dunny Hathaway. Man. he also he's another one that has that freedom and that yeah. soul it's in that like, stevie stevie wonder branch it's in yeah. that stevie wonder branch yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 Yep, you can tell he's like, it feels like he's singing to the heavens every time he sings. And I think that's there's yeah, something so sure. beautiful about just having that freedom. We talk about Jasmine Sullivan, um, you know, Karen mm-hmm. Clark Shear is still amazing. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people may not know this person, but Eric Dawkins um, uh, from Dawkins Woo-hoo! and Dawkins. Shout out to him. And Hope the underdog. So like, Woo. yeah, he, yeah. that's, that's family. And he's just, he's on another level. But like those, those type of singers, there's a certain like sophistication that they have, but also just like the freedom that they have to just sing. I think that's just, they're able to find that balance so well. And even Leslie Odom, you know, I, I love, I love his voice. I think um, when he did Forever Young yeah. at the, um, I think at Obama's like BET special, um, that's the first time I really just heard mm-hmm. his voice. And just, I think the intention that he gives everything, it's, it really is just, it's, it's great. It's great. Ooh. So yeah, I, I would say those vocalists, you know, plenty more, but off the top of my head, those people. 